right, it's morning huddle time. Good morning. You, I'm not saying it works. I wish you Godspeed. I, I Godspeed with all of that. I think that's really, really nice. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure what kind of success you're going to have with that today because the world, my friend, has changed. Right. Latin American construction workers, they have different needs. They have completely different needs. These awards have a huge... Um, like criteria that you have to fill out and they usually have a community service or community relations portion. Them, uh, you know, the most productive uh, with a high performance value. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Funny. Isn't it? Yeah, I, not, not for me. Not for uh, me. At 11 o'clock, I am guaranteed to be snoring. So, so, um, <laughs> It's morning huddle time. Uh, good morning. I'm Chad Prinky. I'm here as always alongside co-host and producer Stacy Holzinger. Stacy, how are you this lovely morning? Good morning. Thanks for joining us, everyone. It's our last episode of season four today, so we're happy to have Phil. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. I feel honored to uh, be part of this, what, 50th episode? Well, I, I got to tell you, I felt I felt honored. And last night I started thinking about it in a different way. I'm like, why did he wait so long to ask me? To be on <laughs> but either, either either way, I'm going to take the positive thing. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I I would only focus on that, Phil. Don't don't get in your head about the other thing. Right, okay, um, I got it. Uh, so so Phil Key is the president of Rupert Landscape. Rupert is, you know, this is. Uh, there are, uh, Stacy does an incredible job of booking all of our guests. Like really, she's amazing at finding uh, great people that who, who uh, for the most part, I have no idea who they are. And she brings them on and I learn so much and build relationships, it's been awesome. Every now and again, I get to contribute. Uh, and and uh, I've, I've been able to, uh, to, to you know, wrangle Phil and get on his calendar and get here, get him here uh, to join us this morning. Rupert's been a Long time, uh, I don't know, Phil, 12 year or so uh, client of mine and relationship. I've been um, fortunate enough to be along for the ride. And, uh, uh, you know, Phil, Phil, I think, is going to come on today and, and give us an opportunity to uh, take a look inside their business. Take a look inside Rupert Landscape. A little bit of context for Rupert. Uh, Rupert is um, a commercial only landscape contractor. They've got a maintenance division. They've got an installation division, um, and the installation division is doing construction projects all over the country. Uh, some of the largest landscape and hardscape installs that you'd want to see. Um, I think uh, at recent count, about two thousand or twenty-one hundred employees, something like that. So it just got out of a meeting this morning. We are five short of two thousand, so um, we're, we're almost at two thousand. 1955 you think you think this uh you think this summer might scale up five people or you, do you have that room so it's really 1995 but i knew you were never totally good at math yeah. oh no. yeah not a strength not a strength <laughs> no, no. math and listening neither well, of I those can, really i can tell you this we, we need the people um now we got to find them and hire them so uh we're not slowing down the the hiring excellent yeah so and we'll we'll spend some time talking about that and um you know, uh, something across like 10 states. Fair. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, aside from ma the major projects in yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, we jump out to do, to, to do other other projects, but call it 10 states that we're permanently in. 
And so, so Rupert started, this is, I, I'm, I, I think for, like big picture, this is uh, really just an opportunity from, from my perspective to talk about some of the things that make Rupert special, but to do that in a way that, you know, educates and brings a lot of value to the, to the audience in general. Um, I think for context, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the history of Rupert for a second. Um, Rupert started in the early seventies. Is that right? Correct. And, 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 and then, and then that's Rupert one. So talk, talk to us, talk to us about what, so there was Rupert one, there's Rupert two, and now we're on Rupert three. Uh, a lot has happened. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you, you catch us up on it rather than me, um, you know, going yeah, through well, my yeah, recollection. We start, look, we started in early seventies, probably kind of got going in the eighties. It, it took a while to, to ramp up. Uh, I actually joined in 85. So I missed some of the, the very beginning. Um, but the very beginning had to do with figuring out what kind of services we wanted to, to offer. We started in residential and, and then slowly moved to commercial. Um, kind of mid-80s was when we first started the branching structure. So we had our second branch. And so really from early 70s to mid-80s, um, we, we were working out of one location, just trying to figure things out. Uh, like, like everybody else, you know, how do we get new customers? How do we produce the work? Um, for those new customers, you know, how do we collect the money, make sure we got payroll met each, each week, you know, those are the kind of things we're worried about. And as certain things started working, we tried to replicate them. That's awesome. So, so, uh, the, the business builds in that first iteration, um, really based on this whole decentralized concept, the branch model, every branch kind of runs like its own business, best practices get shared amongst branches and, and you grow. In 1998, Rupert sells. Right. So we sell to ServiceMaster. There was a consolidation in the industry at the time. Uh, and, and we felt, um, on one hand, we felt a little threatened. Uh, at, the, at the time, we were just, you know, we were doing just under $50 million in revenue, which still made you a top 10 landscaper in the country. Uh, but, but obviously very fragmented. We were, we were still relatively small. And as these different entities were rolling up the industry we, we did feel threatened a little bit like would we be able to compete against these larger companies uh but plus there was opportunity for our employees we figured we, we wanted to be part of this it was going to be a, a big kind of change in the industry um and so that that's that's what kind of triggered us at that time to, uh, to move forward and and so in 98 uh rupert sells and, and where do you go, by the way, during that time? What, what's, what's your job for the next X years? So I stayed at our, at our new company of Triggering Land Care, and I was part of that for nine years. Um, and, but different things happened. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the consolidator, which was Service Master at the time, was really buying a bunch of different companies. And then after they did that, they realized the, the landscape installation uh, portion of the business probably wasn't something they wanted to invest in. So they would, they would start getting rid of services or areas that um, they weren't interested in. So we saw at, at that point, I saw a lot of the Rupert team that I knew um, in, in different places. And, and, and eventually Rupert gets the band back together. Uh, and, right. and, and so five years after the acquisition, 
um, enough Rupert people are are out floating around in the market that that there's a conversation to to let's let's get back together and, and restart this thing. So that's Rupert two, right? And Rupert two Correct. goes Rupert two from started about two thousand three. Uh, Rupert two, kind of the first day that the that the non compete was over, there was a huge desire for employees to to want to get back together and create uh, a team. We I think we hired a hundred employees from Rupert one uh, the day we could at Rupert two, and it was a it was an awesome kind of experience and model because we've always thought that you know people are what really drive the business, and we've always said if we had unlimited people, the customers will come. Um, we just got to focus on people. Well, this gave us kind of an opportunity to ramp up really quick because we knew a lot of people uh, that, that wanted to come back and, and start something. And it, and it worked well because um, those people really, really, really accelerated our growth. Um, so it was an investment day one because we didn't really have the work for 100 people. Um, but we knew that would come and it came very quickly. So that, awesome. that was kind of chapter two, Rupert two. And, until, and yeah, exactly. Up until, uh, I guess what, November, December of 22. Right. So four, four months ago, five months ago now, December 1st, um, we started what we're calling Rupert three, our third chapter, which is, um, where we've taken on a, a majority partner. And I don't know if you want to go into that now or later. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk. So, so, so talk about that. What made you do it? Who's the, who's the, who's the majority partner? Yep. What made you do it? And why did you go with them? Yeah. So first, I'd like to say it was a long process. The first time I went through kind of exploring strategic options, it took about a year. Um, and, and we analyzed everything from um, should we be an ESOP to a debt recapitalization to maybe a minority partner to a majority partner. Um, in the end of that, we we chose a company named Knox Lane. Um Really, they're 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 out of San Francisco. They're a young team. They're a small team, fourteen people total. This is their first fund. Uh, they come from. They've got a lot of experience, and they they joined together and and started their own private equity company. Um, I like the fact that that we know all of them. They're they're small. They um, um, and and I think you know they're passionate about being successful, and they're passionate about culture. Um, they, they saw that early with us that, that I think we matched there. Um, it's their first investment in the landscape industry. Uh, so, you know, we're their quote platform uh, with which to build on, which I think is, it's good for us. And then uh, we'll get into this a little bit. Well, I, let me, let me back up. You said kind of why, you know, why, why'd you, why'd yeah, you, why'd you why did you do it in the first place? You're, here you are, you're going along, you're 2000 employees. You're uh, assuming making good money, right? Every, everything's yeah. working. Um, you know wh why do why do you um, why do you look for a, a partner in the first place? Why do you look to sell? Yeah. So the obvious answer, uh, which is one of the answers, is it provides some liquidity. It, it gives you a way to value that's been uh, built up in the company. It gives you a chance to take some of that out of the the company. Um, the company was owned. These are rough numbers, but 70% by Craig Rupert and family and 30% by employees. Okay. Um, but kind of the biggest thing, like that's, that's, that's always a reason, but really succession. Um, like who is the ownership group that's going to continue to carry this on? 
Uh, Craig is 69. He's got plans to continue to, to work less. He's still currently our CEO. He's chairman of our board. Um, you know, he's active in the business every week, but he would like to work less days each week as, as time goes by. Um, so it was going to give us a chance to, to do some succession planning. We've extended, extended sorry, our, um, our ownership group from roughly, so the employee portion I talked about grew from roughly 35 people to 65. Um, so it's, it's virtually allowed us to make uh, anybody who's running an operation, running a location and up uh, an owner in the company. I think that is super um, in, important. It's incredible. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, so, so just to reiterate that, cause that was a lot of information. Rupert two uh, had 30 different owners who, you know, were a part of the employee base when the, the transaction happened in December, there was an opportunity to create 30, some more 35 more owners. It sounds right. like. And so now, now there's 65 owners uh, who are employees. There's an outside majority partner, and um, you know the the ownership pool has gotten more diverse. You got it. The, the only thing I do want to stress is every employee that was an owner in Rupert One is still an owner in what I'm, I'm sorry, Rupert Two is still an owner in Rupert Three. Um, yep. Both, you know, so they're they're investing their own proceeds to remain part of what we're calling kind of Rupert Theory chapter three of, of this journey. Awesome. All right, cool. So man, there's so much in there. Um, well, by the way, the only, the only other thing it allowed us to um, do two other things really allowed us to share some of the proceeds with, with employees. So anybody that had worked here a year um, shared kind of in the value that was, that was built. Uh, we were able to, to share some of that, um, the proceeds that we got and kind of, you know, we, we, we've got a partner that's going to be able to help us, um, continue our growth. So we're growing to provide opportunity for employees. Our growth is averaged roughly 18% since from 2003 to, to now that's the average, but it's, it's been harder the last five or seven years. I mean, we're still double digit organic growth, but call it 12 or 13%, um, which is, you know, less opportunity for employees than when we're growing 30%. Um, I think adding our M&A and adding our partner with M&A experience is going to allow us to, to get the growth rate back to, to a, a little quicker. And that's going to be more opportunity for employees. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so um, <laughs> Phil just said that they're, they were able to share some of that um the you know, during the transaction they were able to uh, you know share some some of the proceeds with the uh, with the employee base. I read in Washington Business Journal uh, that that was uh, somewhere around twenty eight million dollars. Can you either confirm or deny that? that, that was... Yeah, no, that's confirmed. That's confirmed. <laughs> that's unbelievable. I mean, it so, was fun. It was yeah. Ton of fun. I mean, if yeah, if you're an employee, you've been there a year, you you qualified for this pool. I mean, that's a that's a pretty awesome that's a pretty awesome thing to be able to do and. Um, and, and so it, you know, I, 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 wanna, I, I do want to mention this, sorry to cut you off, but, yeah. um, you know, the, the, that ownership group I talked about, most of them don't, didn't have voting rights, but, but we try to move together and, and, um, 
as we contemplated the idea of giving out these bonuses, it really affected every one of their checks in a, in a meaningful way, you know, the, of the, of the partners, there was not one person that even hiccuped to, you know, so no pat on the back. I think it's just the right thing to do for the people that created a ton of value. Um, and, and I think, you know, in an industry that barriers to entry are really low, um, anybody can go buy a lawnmower and, and start something up and with a generation that, 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 cares more, you know, about purpose sometimes than just the almighty dollar and, and kind of where we're going. I, I think it's it's important to be to feel part of something bigger than, you know, just an employee that's that's getting a paycheck. I know we're still a relatively small ownership group, but I, I think as long as companies and again, this is specific to kind of our industry and us, but as long as there's a chance and there's something to work for there, I think it's 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 really kind of a fair game and, and, a, and a fun game. Awesome. Yeah. And, and so I want to come back to, to the acquisition plan yeah. that you just kind of referenced for a second, but I, but I, before we do that, I, 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 you've created too good of a segue for culture. As you, as you talk about the, the values, think about, think about what created that moving together. You, you use that term. I like that a lot. Um, you know, certainly with the with the leadership team, but co- company wide, you guys established values before it was cool, um, yeah. right? Like it was, and 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 then you all got behind those values, you lived them, you took them really seriously. Um, in, in two or three minutes, like what what are the values? And and then follow up question to that is how do you how do you operationalize that? How do you make sure that that's something that we all actually do and go? <laughs> all right. So one, I'm glad um, about three years ago, we, we, we had 12 values and we changed it to four values. Not that we lowered our values, but I couldn't have remembered the 12. It was hard. Uh, so the four are much easier. I'm, I'm prepared to answer that. So look, and it's, and it's you know, big picture, um, respect for one another. So that values around people value the customer. Obviously customers are super important. The third one is act like an owner. And the fourth is care for our community. It's those four. Um, People are first. And um, clearly we talk about people first in front of customers. I hope I don't have any customers on the line here. Um, But, you know, look, I mean, obviously the equation is and this is it. Everyone says this. So I feel kind of dumb saying it, but if you, if your people are really jacked up and taking care of the customers, you're going to get as many customers as you need. Um, so we really believe that and, and try to try to live that. But I will say kind of chat how they start. I wasn't around when they started actually, you know, so I came to the company at age 15 in 1985. The company had already been around for 10 years. And the reason I came to the company, cause there was a group of, at the time, three or four guys running it. And I believed in what they were doing, like meaning I liked what they talked about. I liked what was important to them. Um, you know, I liked that they, they were encouraging. They were like good coaches, if, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that leadership team really is why I came. Um, and and they started documenting over time. I, I don't think it was till we had our first branch where we decided we needed to actually document the, the values. And we wrote them down. Like I said, there were 12 um they did a good job of articulating kind of who they thought we are and I, I would just say to everybody i think it's hard to write values of who you want to be it's kind of like if you saw my goal list every year who i want to be and i achieve like half of them um I, I think i think 
you got to kind of start with who you are. And there's a bunch of different traits or good cultures that work. Um, but you got to, again, you got to identify what, 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 what yours is. Um, they documented that we kind of live it. We try to hire people that fit into that. I mean, there's plenty of good people that, that may not fit into it. Like for instance, very, very, very direct culture here, Chad, you've worked with us for years. So you know that that's super uncomfortable for a, a lot of people and other people, you know, need to live that way. Um, you know, they, they need to be very, very direct. So it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just kind of who you are. Um, and I, and I think, you know, documenting that and having people rally around that is, is really, you know, kind of the key. And it's not that hard if it's really just who you are. What I, what I love about that answer is that, you know, in a really nice way that I barely even felt, you basically said like, we know who we are. And if you want to be a part of that, you're going to love it. And if that's not who you are, it's probably going to be not a great fit. Well, you found 2000 people for whom it's a good fit. You know what I mean? Right. And so, right. and, 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 but that means there's, you know, there's millions for whom it's not. And, mm. and I think that's, and that's I think that's fair. one of the, one of the best, one of the best things to take away from this. If you're in the audience is when it comes to really nailing culture and, and having your values be something that everybody can see and, and experience uh, inside and outside the business, you have to have the courage to not try to accommodate everybody. And I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. Yeah. I just mean that. I mean that in a way where it's sort of like what we're not going to do is water down what, what our, our, our core values to make this a comfortable experience for everybody who, who needs to be here. We're, we're going to try to be, you know, and I know down to a person, you're very open and, and, uh, accepting and, and all that type of stuff. So I don't mean that to say, you know, you're excluding people. I just mean that to say that you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, um, negotiate on, on the, on the things that are most important to you. Now that's fair. As you were saying that though, it, it, you know, it's not like we have a line out the door, uh, you know, and, and we're getting to select each employee we want to hire. I mean, it's tough out there. I'm sure everybody's experiencing it. So, I totally agree that we don't compromise uh, on our values. We probably do compromise sometimes in the hiring process. We're, we're, we could be more selective, but uh, I think uh, probably it's our style to give people a chance to say kind of here's who we are. And that's true. And, and we hope you find some benefit in that or, you know, like it here. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's um, well, and, and let's be honest, a lot of the people that you hire don't, they don't, they don't know their own values yet. So I, I'd imagine yes. you probably helped to make a lot of them, a lot of them, uh, you know, better people, if, if that makes sense. So, uh, well, cool. Uh, so let's circle back to then. So, so we've got vision, I'm sorry, we've got values and we've got culture. And now in Rupert three, you're going to do something that you've never really done, which is you're going to start adding large to mid, like, in other words, going concerns, you're going to start acquiring uh, going concerns and adding them to Rupert's, um, you know, adding them to your business. Uh, you, it's not that you haven't done any acquisitions in the past, but they, 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 they've really been, you know, opportunistic. This is a, a totally different kind of acquisition strategy. Walk us through what the acquisition strategy is, what's the target company profile, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chad. First, um, 
our plan is to still uh, grow organically uh, more so than through acquisition. But we will, we do plan on, on growing through acquisition, main, mainly to get into new geographies. So we're looking for companies that are adjacent to geographies where, where we are in a perfect world. If I go down kind of the, the perfect four or five items, um, you know, for, for a potential target, uh, we, we know that not every target's gonna, gonna be able to have all those attributes. But, you know, probably first and foremost, we want um, a, a culture that will match ours um, because we just talked a lot about culture and hiring somewhat for culture, um, same with acquiring. If, you know, we'd have to bring kind of like-minded folks together um, so as not to dilute the culture. That doesn't mean you can't have new ideas, like don't, don't confuse that, but they gotta feel comfortable uh, kind of within this, this culture that's built. Um, we're looking for owners that wanna stay. So people that wanna kind of wash their hands of their business and walk away is, is not our target. We want people that, um, need help kind of getting to the next level that want to be part of something uh, bigger uh, that, and, and where we can, you know, share our experiences. You know, I talk, we talked about Rupert one earlier. It took, it, it took all 25 plus years to kind of learn what we learned. And, and um, I'm hoping to help companies come up that learning curve quicker um, and that, and, and there'll be partners, equity partners alongside of us and benefit, uh, as we move towards Rupert four, um, you know, kind of thing. So um, people that will stick with the business, geographies that are adjacent to where we are, we predominantly want to acquire maintenance companies. Um, but, you know, obviously we're very comfortable in the installation world and, and uh, see value in that. But, but over time, I think when we're acquiring the maintenance companies make more sense. Got it. Cool. Um, and, and as you go through that process, I mean, do you have a, do you have any feel for the volume of acquisitions that, that, that will be happening over a period of time? Do you have any, you know, gut feel for what that's going to look like? Uh, so we've got a plan, you know, we've got a five-year plan um, where roughly the, the business, the, the contribution to growth would be about 5% through um the M&A activities, you know? So in other words, if we're gonna grow 12 to 15% um, and then you add 5% more in acquisitions, that'll, that, that's kind of our target. Um, now it's still early in San Francisco. So I hope the private equity partners aren't on the line because they'd be saying, it's <laughs> yourself. Um, but no, I think um, you know, that's our game plan. And, and if, you know, if you line up this model of how much we have to acquire and how much we have to grow, that gets yeah. the, the return for our investors that we're targeting. Um, so if we can do better, we'd get better returns. And if we do worse, it's not as good of an investment. So. Yep. Makes total sense. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, the numbers, what that Chad, what does that mean? Depending on their size, maybe two to three a year, uh, maybe that, okay, cool. you know, Thank you. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Some, somewhere along those lines, that's, um, and, and adjacent markets, just, just for my, as I, I'll talk out loud about it. You're in Maryland, you're in Pennsylvania, you're in Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, Houston, Nashville, Tennessee. So adjacent markets, I guess would be for the most part, east of the Mississippi. 
Yeah, but you, you got you you know whether it's Virginia Beach or Wilmington or Charleston, you know you've got you got East, and then um, obviously, uh, well, a couple things. One, you mentioned Nashville and and Houston; those are probably our biggest targets because we're doing installation there, but but we're not doing maintenance yet. Right. So we'd like to fill that out. Um, you know, we've got a lot of work in Raleigh. Um, North Carolina, less in Charlotte. Charlotte's a big market. We've got one location there. So there's, you could argue that there's kind of two adjacent markets just in the city of Charlotte. So um, what I'd say is if there's anybody out there that wants to learn more about it, feel free to reach out to me, whether you're just preparing your company for something in the future, or we just want to learn more about it, be happy to talk to them. And I learned a ton over my last year that I did not know. uh, So yeah, so so I'm sure you can add value even even if they're they're not somebody that that is interested in necessarily uh, being acquired by by Rupert. Uh, how would people reach out to you, Phil? What's what, should, should they reach out through LinkedIn? Should they reach out through somebody? Uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, or you can just go to our go to our website, and I think my contact information is there. Um, cool. Just call me. Good. All right. Good. Mean? Yeah, I mean, when, when, all the way back, you know, in 2011. I, when I first built a relationship with Rupert, I was driving down the road. I saw a Rupert truck and I thought, man, that's a company I'd like to work with. I pick up the phone. I called the president of the company. It was the time, uh, it was Chris Davitt. And I said, uh, this is gonna be the weirdest call you've ever had, Chris. I, I, I just saw a truck, um, that just, it speak, spoke a lot about your image and I don't know you guys. And I feel like I should. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. So they no, really do I, take remember, I do. I remember the first time you walked into the conference room, um, and, and, we're pitching and that was 11 years ago so you were like what 12 i was yeah, yeah. i was i was 13 and um, <laughs> yeah man uh with, no chad hey, hey formally thank you for um i mean so these guys helped us with business development uh years ago and they, they did a great job so thank you thanks man thank you um so uh let's let's open it up to the audience stacy what questions do we have for phil before we wrap up so I think one of um, the problems or things that smaller contractors struggle with is they define their values, but then they don't know how to foster the culture after they define the values. Do you have any um, advice on that? So, yeah, you know, it's hard to, um, we train on them. Uh, I mean, one document, I might write them down um, and that'll, that'll give people kind of a reference tool. Um, they, they got to be just like safety. They got to be kind of part of your everyday dialogue. Um, you know, I think, I think just talk about them, especially when you're, if you're smaller and you're in one location, um, you, you could talk about, them, you know, kind of constantly. And it's, it's a, a little bit easier, you know, until you start geographically getting um, expanded or whatever. Um, and I, I'd say, you know, just, as a leader, like the leaders have to act through them. Not, no one's going to be perfect every day, but the, the leadership has to believe in it enough that they're not, you know, they're kind of walking the walk. They're, um, they're, they're following the values that they've, they've outlined. Hey, and it's all right. Like, um, you know, it's got to be the kind of environment where you can call out the top person if they're not, um, you know, the values are really supposed to be like, a, I'd call it, uh, I, I think it's the best governance for a company. It helps people make good decisions around running the business. And that means everybody's got to be accountable to those, you know, no matter what position you're in. So being open to feedback as a leader to be like, all right, gotcha. I'm not, I, I probably was off kilter there. And um, 
I think the values help help there. I think that's, that, I think that's such a great point. You go ahead. I'm sorry, Stacey. No, I was just going to say when you first came up with the values, I know it was like before you were on board, did those values change over time? Do you tweak them to fit different periods or generations? Well, I would say, yeah, so we, we do a five-year plan every four years. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but anyway, that's <laughs> the way we do it. And um, we, we always start with mission, vision, values. Let's check those. Any words we want to change, any, anything we want to, you know, make kind of more modern. But I'll tell you, kind of specific to your question, things like, I'll use innovation. Uh, in the early years, innovation wasn't one of our values. Um, we didn't really have, we didn't think about it. We were just trying to get the work done. We weren't going to like sit back and think create creatively about a way to do something different. Yeah. Um, we added that one, call it 15 years ago. Um, so when I say added, we have four values, but there's kind of sub sections that fall underneath those. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've grown. They've kind of expanded over year. We, you know, we didn't have money to invest in innovation uh, in the early years. We didn't want to think about it. We just copied off of the big guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'd, I'd say they've changed, but it sounds a little bit weird. You're like, have your values changed over the years? It's like, well, your values are kind of in here. So they stay very consistent, but they, 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 they're tweaked a little bit. Yeah. Good to know. Um, I don't know anything else you can think of a child. No, I think it's, it's I, I, I think uh, we, we can wrap up here. It's been an awesome conversation, Phil. I, I think, uh, you know, if any contractor is following this story and thinking about how they want to grow, how they want to capitalize on opportunities to to, you know, bring in outside investment to potentially sell to you know, all, all the things that are um, incorporated in the story you've shared with us today, you've yeah. given uh, a fantastic um, kind of roadmap for uh, some of the ways that you guys have navigated through it. So, uh, and, I, and I love that you're you know, open and, and interested in hearing from anybody who has more questions. That's, that's awesome. Um, so no, I think, Thank you for being with us for episode 50. Man, I'm, I'm um, figuring out my, our viewership was only like 10, so I could take that many calls. It's fine. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, the live viewership is the, 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 uh, the recorded viewership. It may be a very different number. Be careful what you, what you wish. No, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, don't put out your phone number or anything. No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not responsible for that. <laughs> Now this has been fun. I appreciate um, working with both of you this morning on this. It's been fun. Wow! Thanks. Thank you, Phil. Uh, I, I will. Uh, we'll let you get going. Stacy and I have a little bit of housekeeping to uh, to tend to before we wrap up. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. All right, thanks. See ya. All right, Stacy. Um, right. So, season four in the books. Boom! Twelve episodes. A yep. lot of lessons learned. A lot of fun. What was what was the biggest thing you learned this season? Oh man, you're always gonna put me on the spot, huh? Of course I do. Yeah. Um, there's so many great people this year. I can't even put it. I just the topics are just getting crazier and crazier. And I've already got August pretty much booked up. Um, I am interested to talk about AI and how that uh is involved in in our but uh past episodes i don't know mental health with rex mm. was really cool 
Um, that seems to be a really popular topic now. I'm so excited that, you know, we're changing the way we're thinking about mental health because especially in our industry, it's such a stigma. Um, that's been a big one for the past, since COVID, really. People are really taking that seriously. I, I, uh, I agree. And I, I think there's been, there've been a lot of positive strides there. Um, uh, my, my biggest is I reflect on this season. I think the biggest thing I learned was that there are, um, viable alternative methods to integrated project delivery that are happening and happening successfully, uh, while, not making the headlines, which I thought was, um, that was really good information from Genesis and, 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 uh, from those guys that came on and talked, I, uh, I knew everything in Phil's story. Um, though I would imagine all of our uh, audience was learning a ton, uh, through that conversation. Um, so, uh, we have, uh, we we're back in August, uh, dates to come. I think August 1st is our, is our first. So, you know, keep, keep your eyes peeled and, and obviously let us know if uh, you have anybody, uh, or if you yourself uh, would like to be a guest and, and have a story about creating some positive change in the building industry. Uh, and um, just a reminder that Stacy and I will both be at the NAWIC Northeast Conference this year uh, on May 5th, which is uh, Friday, May 5th, uh, around noon. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be hanging out and, uh, and live streaming from that event. So if you want to get, uh, if you want to get some time with us and um, say hello there, please do. We'd love to see you. Yeah. Sounds All right, cool. We will see you in several weeks while Stacy and I reload and, and come back for season five, ready to go. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I can't believe it's been four seasons. Same here. This was always supposed to just be a six episode mini series. Stacy, <laughs> I want to remind you of that. Um, all I'll right. Thanks so much. Up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Keep, keep going until the wheels just come off this. Summer. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> see Thank you so guys. much. See you, Stacey. Thanks, everyone.